Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Lit Yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Monthly Motivation. This month's topic is about embracing the darkness. Now let me give you a little backdrop. It is November here in in the United States, in New Jersey, where I am. And we have succumbed to the regular loss of our daylight saving. By the way, it's saving, not savings. Daylight saving time. So daylight saving starts in the spring when we jump ahead an hour. And then in the fall, we we fall back. So the clocks set themselves back an hour and we wake up a little confused. There is a lot of debate about whether the daylight savings time or saving time should continue. And a lot of it is about the chaos that does happen, not only in our internal clock, but in some of the other uh, consequences of it. And I was just reading an article that was written three days before I, I I started doing this podcast, and it said that there is overwhelming conclusion of researchers is that the act of changing the clocks twice per year directly results in an increase in heart attacks, traffic accidents, workplace injuries, pedestrian deaths, crime, sleep disruption, mood disorders, as well as a loss of productivity. So I think that it's something that all of us have probably experienced if you're one of the 70 countries that does daylight savings. And the reason is that it does have an impact on our our internal clock. Any way, whether we kind of fall back or jump forward or stay as we are, we're still going to deal with the shorter periods of daylight that are going to happen in the winter months. So this motivational talk for you and for me, because this is something that I've also battled with myself in the winter months, is how do we embrace the darkness? And I'm going to use an acronym because I think that might be helpful as so many of you have liked in my other podcast. So embrace. E, enter with awareness. We already know it's coming. And it's like from the Game of Thrones, winter is coming. And it's it's like, okay, how do we enter it with 
awareness to mitigate any of the changes in our emotions, in our biology, in our energy, all the things that tend to come along with these shorter days. So our bodies have this natural internal clock. It's a circadian rhythm, and that cycles us through our daily period of being awake and then asleep. And our body clock is set based upon our exposure to sunlight. So that already gives us a clue that we're going to be most likely exposed to fewer hours of sunlight and think about how that is going to impact us. So we have to enter this with awareness. When the light enters our eyes, our brain knows it's time to wake up. And when the darkness comes, we get a hormonal signal that is sent to our brain that it's time to start preparing to sleep. Now, lack of sunlight not only is going to make us probably feel sleepy, but it can also suppress the production of two very important hormones, serotonin and then the sleep-inducing melatonin, which both impact our mood. Dr. Haviz, who is a New York City-based neuropsychologist, says that the effects of ending daylight saving time are associated with an item in the retina of our eye called a ganglion cell that contains this photopigment melanopsin. The sunlight exposure makes the melanopsin signal a pathway to cells in the hypothalamus specifically responsible for regulating all of our body's biological functions. So this process triggers the um, pineal gland, which is in charge of melatonin secretion, which peaks at night and wears off during the day. So the less light exposure we get, the more out of sorts we're going to feel. It's very, very natural. So entering this time period, knowing that is essential, not waiting until, you know, halfway through winter when we're feeling depressed or lethargic or unmotivated. So the start of the dark season may or may not kick in what's called seasonal affective disorder. A lot of people do suffer from this. And so entering the darker period, knowing that you might be prone to that, it has been shown that light boxes um, and doing it at early before you have any symptoms are really important. Exposing yourself to light, these light boxes first thing in the morning, because they've shown to help the body stay more in, more entrained to the wake hours and then the sleep schedule. So you're not feeling sleepy at 5 p.m. And light exposure with more time spent outside can help the body and the bi biological clock handle the change in the amount of light-filled hours. So it's really smart to be aware of the symptoms of SAD before they kick in. Those seasonal affective disorder, it's the acronym is SAD. And of course, sadness is one of them, depression, eating more, especially carbohydrates, sleeping too much, lacking energy and motivation, having problems with concentration. So hopefully these tips and this acronym I'm providing are, gonna, are meant to help us all but you always should seek professional help if it feels overwhelming, if, these, if you know you have really struggled with seasonal affective disorder. If you already have any kind of mood disorder, it can be magnified with the symptoms of um, seasonal affective disorder. So the number one thing, e, enter with awareness. Like be ready to do all of the things you need to do even more so because you're contending with this, this biological shift and it has a it really has a profound in impact
So for M, mindfulness. Mindfulness we hear about all the time. How do we practice mindfulness and how is that going to help? Well, being more mindful is just being more awake, being more aware, observing. It brings you more into the awareness of your feelings so you can manage them better. And cultivating observation will help with this lack of concentration and focus that often accompanies uh, seasonal affective disorder. So how do you practice mindfulness? It can be as simple as taking a moment sitting just as you are and feeling the contact you have with the chair or the sofa. Or if you're standing, feeling your feet firmly on the ground. Noticing your spine and can you lengthen it. Noticing your breath. Mindful breathing, you can bring more intentional breath work into your mindfulness practice. So this simple act of breathing more consciously has been shown to decrease anxiety, sharpen our focus, our clarity, improve our mood, reduce the cravings that we were talking about that can, can accompany uh, seasonal affective disorder. It can lower blood, blood pressure, promote digestion, stimulate blood flow, improve sleep, and so much more. So just practicing mindfulness by tuning into your breath. And then you can bring even more consciousness into your breathing by something like box breathing, which includes this an equal amount, um, an equal length pause at the top and bottom of every inhale and exhale. So you would take like four, four counts up, pausing for four, four counts down, pausing for four, and repeating that. And so just creating a rhythm around your breath is bringing mindfulness in. You can practice diaphragmatic breathing, which we do a lot in my lit yoga, to strengthen your lung capacity and, in, and lower your blood pressure. You can practice mindfulness with eating. And this is really important in, these, in this feeling of darkness because we can turn to food, we can turn to alcohol as a salve for our emotional um, disorder, our emotional state. And practicing mindfulness is going to bring more awareness of, of how food is going to affect our body and affect our mind and feelings. And hopefully helping us choose foods that are going to keep us feeling lighter and more energized. So mindful eating, you can practice in various ways. You can practice by chewing your food a little bit longer than you normally do, even counting the number of times. Some, sometimes mindfulness practice, I remember when I practiced, it was chewing 100 times. That was a little excessive for me, but maybe even chewing 20 times. That's probably at least 10 more chews than you normally do. And that just slows down your eating and brings you more in tuned with what you're doing at that moment. So you're not kind of zoning out. You can also use your senses. You know, what does something smell like? What is, what is the texture of food? Bringing mindfulness and awareness into each bite and noticing. Because a lot of times when we shovel food in as a way or as a response of not feeling good, we're not paying attention to actually what it feels or what it tastes like. So it's really just acknowledging 
our responses to food. And that helps us also cultivate a greater awareness of when we are truly hungry or truly satiated. And then we can decide to start eating or end eating accordingly. Mindful eating is developing a healthy and balanced relationship with food. And this is a key to balance mental and emotional health. So as we eat healthier and perhaps more uh, varied source of foods, we're probably less inclined to turn to comfort foods and binge on them because, you know, darkness has settled in. So try noticing what foods make you feel more energized versus making you feel more like you want to go to sleep. And slow down your eating so that you can really practice the art of mindful eating and separate your food from your emotions. Another practice of mindfulness that I've talked about in other podcasts is journaling. You know, bringing your thoughts to paper, your emotions to paper without any judgment, just being mindful of the train of thoughts that are coming up and putting them to paper. And then you can also direct your thoughts in, in the form of like what I want to what I want to feel like today, what I want to accomplish today, not so much in a to-do list, but you know, I want to take a walk in the morning. I want to call a friend. This is a part of the mindfulness practice that can help with emotional regulation and help us combat darkness in all ways. All right, B. So we've got an E-M and now we're on B. B, bolster your system your overall system, your emotional system, your digestive system, with supplements. And these have been shown to really help support mental health, to help support digestion. So I'm just going to name a few that I use that have really helped me, but there's there's many more. So turmeric is one. I use it year-round, but it has really been shown to reduce inflammation and be very effective for treating depression. It has... Um, Turmeric and the, the medically active component of turmeric is uh, curcumin, and that is best absorbed by the body when it's combined with a fat like coconut oil or olive oil and also black pepper. So you put this in your cooking. Uh, make this a practice because turmeric has so many wonderful benefits. It is an anti-inflammatory at its, at its heart. Some people make uh, the wonderful golden milk latte, which has turmeric in it. So experiment, Google about turmeric, and start including that. Another, another spice or supplement is peppermint. Peppermint, I was just smelling peppermint two nights ago because my I was feeling some sinus pressure, and it just alleviated the pressure in my sinuses because peppermint is, is shown to really sharpen, sharpen your focus. So you can either... Uh, Put it on your palm and smell it. You can actually put it in a drink. You can add fresh peppermint leaves to a tea or hot water. But peppermint is wonderful for when you're feeling lethargic or down. Cinnamon is so lovely because it regulates your blood sugar and improves your attention, which we know we need in these periods of darkness. Um, it's also been shown to reduce irritability because it really um, encourages a sense of relaxation for the nervous system. 
So you can add cinnamon to so many things, to your cereal, to your oatmeal, to your smoothies, to your nut milks, even to tea. So cinnamon is another great supplement. Now, true supplements that will really help again with this darkness, vitamin B12. Everyone should get their vitamin B12 checked or assume that it's probably low because vitamin B12 is really um, is compromised for a lot of people because of the way our food systems are now produced. Uh, the soil, soil contains vitamin B12. It's a microorganism in the soil, but it's really, really important for our balanced and healthy mental state. The, the B vitamins are the basic upkeep of the nerve and blood cells. So they are the beginning of complex biochemical brain reactions. So B12 and folate or folic acid help to rid the body of homocysteine, which you might recognize as something you don't want to have that, that is linked to um, heart disease and stroke, inflammation, and higher rates of depression. B vitamins also are essential ingredients for the production of neurotransmitters, including dopamine, which is responsible for feelings of pleasure and, and purpose. You know, sometimes we think of dopamine as just being happy, but it also is what drives us. So if you're feeling lethargic and not purposeful in these darker months, um, making sure that you are taking a vitamin B12 supplement is, is really crucial. B vitamins are also important for uh, because they help convert carbohydrates to energy for the brain. So if you are experiencing like lethargy or fatigue or poor focus, you might be dealing with low levels of B12. And so just taking a B12 supplement can help alleviate these. Some other deficiencies uh, that go along with B12, if you have any of these, it it's important to take B12. Um, but autoimmune conditions, some low stomach acid, if you are not digesting well, it could be that you are deficient in B12 as well. So in summary, taking B12 daily will help your nerve growth and development. It'll help the communication between nerve cells. It'll help uh, stabilize your adrenal functions. It'll help your mental energy and clarity and concentration and memory. And then it also helps with just calming the nervous system, which is important for balancing our mood. Some other things to bolster um, from spices and supplements are adaptogens. And here are some ones that I use, especially in these winter months. Um, ashwagandha. This Adaptogen is, is, has been well-researched, and this really can help with feelings of fatigue and insomnia and stress and anxiety, and it's also been thought to help with boost the immune system. It's really one of the most popular adaptogens today um, because it's, it's been shown to help in so many parts, so many systems of the body. It, it helps lower cortisol levels. It helps aid the endocrine system, which includes the thyroid and adrenal glands. And you can just take this in a supplemental capsule. Maca, you might have heard of maca tea. That's very popular. This is another adaptogen that can really help boost physical and mental energy. It, at the same time as alleviating depression, it reduces stress and it helps calms anxiety because it's really stimulating the brain activity 
in a similar way that the that light does. It goes directly to the hypothalamus and pituitary gland, and that helps us boost our mental focus. So taking this in the morning, is a, that's when I take it, is a great way to kind of get your um, energy levels up, your focus up, and I love it, maca. Another thing that I take daily, I take this twice a day, is magnesium. Magnesium is the one of the most powerful minerals. It's just incredible. Um, many people are deficient in this as well as as B12. So you you won't go wrong taking this even if you're not sure if you're deficient. It is well known to be the cause uh, when magnesium is deficient to be the cause of various neuropathologies, mental health issues like depression, anxiety, and headaches. So take a magnesium supplement. It is it's incredible. It's um, one way that magnesium counteracts stress is it adheres to uh, the GABA receptors in the brain. And GABA is a neurotransmitter that slows down brain activity. And when it's low, your brain gets kind of stuck and it makes it hard to relax. So if you have incidences of anxiety or or panic disorder, then low GABA is associated with that. And so the magnesium can help with this because of the way it attaches to the GABA. It also supports muscle relaxation. That calms the nervous system so that you can get out of that sympathetic state of fight or flight. And so it's just a wonderful supplement for your stress, for your digestion, and for so many other parts in the body. Finally, for supplements, um, herbal teas can be great, especially if you are a tea drinker. Even if you're not, I'm not a tea drinker, but I do like these particular ones. So I will drink a lemon balm because lemon balm is really nice for the nervous system. It also uh, can kill viruses that might inflame your nerves. It helps with reducing inflammation and improves mental performance. You might have heard of chamomile. Chamomile is wonderful for improving the sleep quality. So taking it at night can really help calm the nervous system and improve your sleep, which we do need to sleep well in the months of darkness, uh, we just don't need to sleep too much, right? It's like we need our quality to be great. All right, so we've got our E, M, and B. What is R? R is reducing the impact, reducing the impact of darkness and how, how we can do that with the choices we make. So this would include food, alcohol, and sleep. So first, Let's talk about alcohol. Well, alcohol is, we know, a natural depressant. And some people turn more to alcohol in these darker months. That has been shown to be true. So if you do have regular alcohol consumption, just monitor how much you're drinking in these darker months, in this period where there's less light during the day, because alcohol can really impact your sleep. It can impact your mental acuity. And it can lead to feeling even more low, low in your mood, low in your energy. So it might be a good time to like omit alcohol and just see how that feels. So these are all suggestions to try to reduce the impact. Sleep. I've talked about sleep in many podcasts, making sure that you have a good sleep routine, that you're not necessarily going to bed earlier because it's darker and that you're not staying in bed later because it's darker in the morning. 
keep your sleep routine um, regular, make your height, the hygiene around it, meaning like, you know, the blackout shades, quiet, cool, um, anything that you need to do to help with that. Sometimes my daughter just introduced me to brown noise. I had listened to white noise sometimes and brown noise has shown to have a much better impact on your nervous system. So sometimes if I am, my thoughts are like all over the place, I'll put on a little brown noise at night to help me go into that state of sleep. So sleep is super important because how we sleep dictates how awake we're going to be and how well we're going to function. Food. So as I mentioned, in what has been shown for people who have seasonal affective disorder or even have any, have any of the effects of the darkness, which I think pretty much everybody does, is that you'll turn to more um, kind of carby foods. So carbohydrates are not bad, but what we want to do is consider reducing the processed foods. That's a really not so easy place, but an easy place to start because we can pretty easily identify what is processed, what is packaged, what's coming in some kind of packaging that is not as close to its um, primary form, which is what whole foods are. Whole foods are closest to what they are in nature. And so when we get into packaged and processed foods, a lot of things change. And our brains and bodies really require high quality fuel to, to feel our best. And you need to start thinking of processed foods as not being high quality. They aren't giving us the fuel that we need and in fact might be contributing to worsening symptoms of any kind of mood disorders or seasonal affective disorders. So we know that a diet high in refined sugars does impact our brain function. Unfortunately, a lot of our Western diets have a lot of processed oils, sugars, and so we have to be really, really, really strongly proactive in finding the foods that are going to support our mental health, and that's going to be in the form of whole single ingredient foods. Do you have to eat all of them? No, but try and eat you know, there's all kinds of rules, 80, 20, 90%, 70-30, like 70% being, you know, whole foods, 30% not being. Find what can work for you and then find like what works and makes you feel really good. And if you have that 20%, 30% of the more processed foods, notice how they make you feel. Because what you want to do is encourage the good and, you know, snuff out the bad, Snuff out the things that make you feel like lazier or let or lethargic or not as clear or heavy in your energy. It's not about doing it for your weight. Of course, that, you know, that's important overall as well as taking care of yourself, but it's really about what you're doing for your, your mental health and your emotional health and your energy. So when we have uh too much of the, you know, not so good stuff, the processed stuff, that can really impact the glucose, the glucose um, that is required. We we need glucose, but we're not getting it in its best form. The brain relies on glucose to execute most of our daily functions, including mood regulation. But if you're eating foods that are um, 
like high in um, artificial sugars or like really those packaged carbohydrates, you could be more likely to develop an insulin resistance because the high refined sugars tend to have um, higher rates of depression than people who have normal insulin sensitivity. So in other words, if you're eating all this stuff, your insulin resistance is not going to be as good and you could your mental health could really suffer. On the other end, you could have, you know, low blood sugar and that's that has its own um, problems as well, like depression and headaches and anxiety. So we want this balanced sugar that we're going to be able to get more effectively from whole foods because there's we're not just eating straight up processed sugar, which really spikes our blood sugar, but we have other things in there, some good carbohydrates, some good fats that help to um, not have that increased spike, just the regular normal amount of increase of sugar. So notice in yourself, like where your sugar levels tend to like spike up or really drop. And when you're practicing mindful eating, when you're eating slowly, when you're eating more of that good stuff, your body is going to be able to assimilate all of the nutrition better and digest it better. And then you're going to feel better. So one thing you can do now is just notice your own food choices. Like when when you uh, reach for something, whether it's in the midday or the late afternoon or early evening, because those are usually the times where we tend to reach for something out of more kind of emotional or habitual eating. And just noticing that without judging it. Because what we want to do is really identify when we're hungry and when we are full. And starting to implement that mindfulness is going to help with that because then you can start directly relating what you eat to how you feel. And this is super important for taking care of your mental health and your energy levels. And we, I can, you know, I'm, I'm a vegan. Um, but even before I was vegan, I, I was a huge lover of fresh fruits and vegetables. And these are just so superior at giving us the glucose our brain needs to operate properly with so many other things, minerals, vitamins, phytochemicals, and and then our ability to break them down because of the fiber, et cetera, helps our regulate our blood sugar. So don't be afraid of fruit. When you think of sugar, that's a different type of sugar. We're talking processed sugar versus natural occurring sugars in fruit and vegetable. And I would try and implement more fresh fruits and vegetables, even if it's a little harder at the grocery store, there might not be as many options, but try and infuse more of those and take away more of the processed stuff. So that was a big R. Okay. A uh, is allow the feelings without amplifying them. So darkness, days of more darkness and less light can bring up a lot of feelings. They can make us feel um, depressed. They can bring up feelings of lethargy and low energy and just overall mental unwellness. So we don't want to avoid feeling them, but we don't want to sit in them for too long. And so we really need to prepare ourselves 
to boost our mental health because it, it is affected, so many are affected by um, the time change and the seasonal darkness. So what are some things you can do? You can, again, feel the feelings, but don't dwell in them because know, recognize them that it's natural and how you combat them is already doing some of the things like getting out in sun, maybe getting that light box, taking some of those supplements, eating well, being mindful. But what are some other mental health wellness tips? Well, at night, because the night is preparing you for sleep and sleep is preparing your body for the energy it needs for the following day, and this is one endless cycle, but nighttime is sometimes um, is a long, long darkness. And notice if you have tendencies, like do you binge TV at night? Are you scrolling the internet or social media for long periods at night, which might be keeping you up um, a little later and not letting you go into your sleep cycle in a kind of balanced state. So perhaps instead of doing, you know, night after night of, of binge TV or scrolling, commit to reading. And it could be, it could be reading whatever you want, but reading for 10 minutes before you go to bed, because this has really been documented to be so helpful in the journeying into sleep. You're preparing your mind. It's not being stimulated by stuff on the TV or stuff on the screen, but you're reading and settling the brain so that when you go to bed, you are, you're clearer and you're ready to sleep. So perhaps read for 10 minutes and have a no electronics policy on 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes before you go to bed. Some people do it an hour before. Do what you feel like you can maintain. Um, and then set some boundaries about how much time you spend on social media. I did a poll on on Instagram the other day, like, what do you guys think about social media? And it was fascinating. I got over 100 responses. And by and large, a majority of people are very mixed about it. A lot of people felt very negative about it, felt that it would could be addictive, it could was a time suck, that it could really, it led to kind of poor quality of life or feelings. And then others said there's a balance. It, it can be a time suck, but it's also inspiring. So it's like setting boundaries around it. Maybe really determining what you're gonna what you're gonna watch on social media or the news. Of course it's not gonna all be unicorn and rainbows, but maybe stay away from really soul sucking stuff too, right? So if you are following somebody that every time you are seeing their page, it's giving you a bad feeling about yourself or it's exposing you to something you don't really want to see, maybe stop following that person. Um, news, like watch what you watch on news. There's news channels that just every single thing is negative, negative, negative. So it's good to be knowledgeable about what's happening in the world, but to not overly consume either. A final thing about allowing the feelings without amplifying them is protecting yourself from amplifying those feelings by really watching your surroundings. Like, can you clear up your surroundings? You're, you're clearing up your eating perhaps and your sleeping and some of your habits around social media or news watching, but notice in your environment um, it's really easy to kind of have some hibernation tendencies and have sweatshirts on the floor or this or that, but can you clean up the clutter so that it is 
less distracting for your brain that is already maybe struggling to have energy. So if you clear up your surroundings, this can be so beneficial for your overall nervous system and for allowing you to feel the feelings but not go down the hole. Because if your surroundings are cluttered or messy, it can just lend itself to you going down that hole. M, so we're getting into the final two letters of embrace. Well, M, we're finally here. Movement. This is a time you want to commit to movement. It always seems like spring or Jan or winter, you know, like early winter, January or spring or when people are get all motivated to move. But this is actually where we need to get even more committed to move. Knowing ahead of time that we are going into this kind of universal or not universal, not everybody's having winter right now, but these many of us are going into longer days of darkness and shorter days of light. We need to commit to move to overcome any of the natural stagnant energy that's going to be with us in those kind of feelings of darkness. And we know that stagnancy can be um, unstuck, so to speak, with movement. So you need to move for your physical and mental health. They are connected. I've talked about this on podcasts and research shows that physical exercises is the most beneficial thing for the brain as it is for the body. It's The brain is, con is the control center and the body is, has, the brain is directing the body. So they are interlinked. So when you move your body, you are helping your brain. You're helping your brain function. You're going to help your mood swings between maybe feeling anxious or maybe feeling depressed. You're going to improve your overall mood quality. It helps to mitigate anxiety and stress and, of course, enhance cognitive functioning. And we usually just feel better about ourselves when we're moving. So how to get movement into your daily life? Do it first thing. And I don't mean like right out of bed, but even though studies have, have not been clear about whether working on the morning or moving at night, um, which one is better, which one is worse, and it, it does depend a little bit on your schedule, but you know if you do it in the morning, you're setting your day off to a good start. And you're also, I don't want to say getting it over with, but you at least are not delaying it with the possibility that it won't get done. Because think about it, if we have shorter days of light, we are going to naturally kind of wind down with the with the darker moments. And so getting up and doing exercise, and it could be within the first 30 minutes of getting up, it could be within the you know, first hour, but get your blood flowing so that you really start your day off well. We know in our blood flowing, it's going to feel better in our body. It's going to, our joints are going to feel better because the synovial fluid that just has been still overnight with sleep and we wake up and we're a little bit achy or just stiff, it's, we're getting that synovial fluid moving. This is also going to help you focus better. You're going to be tr triggering the, the release of chemicals that make you feel good. <laughs> All right. We know that movement makes us feel better. And pick a movement that feels good for you. So we know, you know, yoga, I love yoga. But yoga, there's so many studies on yoga, how it's been proven to 
help our um, management of different emotions, lowers our resting heart rate. It can help reduce blood flesh pressure. It helps us get in touch with our breathing. And of course, if you're moving well and understanding good movement, you're going to help with any kind of chronic pain, et cetera, et cetera. But whatever you do, enjoy it. So if you like lifting weights, if you like running, if you like taking a walk, just get moving and make it a ritual every day. And that doesn't mean you have to go for an hour and sweat like crazy. But if you get your blood flowing and your joints moving, you're going to clear your brain and you're going to feel better. And then you're going to want to come back to that. You're going to want to do it again and again. But it needs to be scheduled. If this is not, if this is something you've struggled with in the past, put it in the schedule. I have people on the my lit prime. They have the schedule for the week and they mark down the days they're going to show up. Do that. Get an accountability partner. Let's do, let's do a yoga class together. Let's take a walk together. All the things you need to help you so that you can prepare your body and your mental state to handle the different, you know, the different experiences, let's say, even if you're not somebody who tends to go dark. <laughs> Getting out in nature. Now, nature is going to be different if you're in, in a climate where it's winter. That doesn't matter. Nature is getting around trees, getting around dirt, getting around something that reminds us of where, from where we came and exposes us to, to the beauty of nature, which is always good for our mental state. Another thing that's really great to do, and I talk about this in my teacher training, is this idea of power posing. So Amy Cuddy talks about how power posing, where you really take up space and, you know, like think about standing and putting your arms up in the air and this heroic, like, I did it. This can, in a very short amount of time, decrease your cortisol, which is responsible for the stress, increase your testosterone, which is responsible for feelings of confidence. And she showed that you could do this and change the way you feel in two to three minutes. So if you're feeling really numbed out, really stagnant, like you can't even think about exercising or going out and taking a walk in nature, stand up, put your arms in the air. I can do this and hold it there for two minutes and see if you don't feel better, if you don't feel more determined and clearer. This again will reinforce how much our body and mind are interconnected. Finally, E, of embrace. We're back to an E. Enjoy the shifts and the challenges that happen with the time change, with the amount of light decreased for a while, because there's so many quotes about that there's always darkness before the dawn. So we we live in this ever-flowing cycle of seasons and feelings. And when we pay more attention to how we feel, to what we need to feel better, to what we need to calm down, we're getting more in tune with ourselves. So let this darker time strengthen and fortify your center, your habits, your reserve, and your spirit. And know that we're all in this together, that this is a time that can be really challenging, but if we embrace the darkness with our with increased awareness, with more tools in our toolbox, and asking for help when we need it, um, we can actually really thrive. 
and realize that again, it'll be light as it always is. And so I send out this hope for you and for me that as we enter these days of decreased lightness, that we handle it and we enjoy it. And we know that it will be, there will be longer days, but if we continue taking care of ourselves, no matter what the environment is around us, that we will be well. And I hope that you are well. As always, I'm pulling for you. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.